Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. second week of It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm going to get to um, our topic today in addressing our, our kind of our clip from the movie. If you have not seen It's a Wonderful Life, man, you got to watch this movie. I know it's an old movie, but I've had all kinds of people tell me, man, I watched it and I've cried and I teared up. I'm like, I, I understand. I get it. It makes it, it hits me, man. It gets me in all the feels, right? Um, so you need to watch it. But there's something I want to talk about real quick that I haven't addressed um, and that's been happening for about a month now, a little over a month and a half probably, um, to me that's very personal at my house, um, and I, I just need to address it. And some people are going, what is happening? What is going on? Um, because I am not somebody to shy away from like confrontation or things that are happening. But um, I don't know if it's somebody, I, I really have no idea who is doing this. I don't know if it's somebody watching online. Um, but somebody is mailing me all the illustrations I am using in my messages for like the last month and a half. I've gotten army men. I have gotten a rubber snake. I have gotten a mullet. Um, um, last week, I got an ornament for, uh, for, for this It's a Wonderful Life series, and, and I just want to let whoever, I don't know what your means are, but my main illustration today is going to be Hawaii. It is about a four-person, all-inclusive trip to Maui, staying at the Grand Wale, right? So no matter what other illustration you hear today, that is the, I want to talk to you about Hawaii and Taco Bueno, Hawaii being the number one illustration, Grand Walea, uh, Maui, uh, but, but no, really, it really has been going on, it's been really kind of fun, but here's what I want us to talk about today. You saw, you've seen this clip, uh, the, Mr. Potter is the mean old man in this clip. He's just a, he's just a mean, grumpy Old Cobb, he's just a nasty old man. He's somebody that it's easy to hate. It's easy to not like. He, nobody in town likes him. The people that work for him don't like him. He never says anything nice. He never does anything nice. Mr. Potter is all about Mr. Potter. And they're, they're at a place, George needs help. George is coming and crawling. And Mr. Potter is at a place where he can help George Bailey, but instead of helping him, he embarrasses him. Instead of helping, he hurts him. While George feels embarrassed, right? George is at this low place. He's already embarrassed. He's already humiliated. Mr. Potter says something that is like boom to the heart. He says, you're worth, you're worth more dead than you are alive. 
And, and how do you, how do I deal with people like that? How do you deal with your Mr. Potter? And, and the, the truth is, your Mr. Potter may act the same, they just have a different name. And how do you and I deal with people who are mean? Deal with people who have embarrassed you, tried to destroy you, tried to hurt you, have talked bad about you. Okay, mom and dad, what do you do with people that have tried to hurt your kids? It's one thing to come at me, but you come at my kids and it's a whole nother ball game, right? And I've said this all the time. I say this as a pastor and having two pastor's kids at home, my kids are not your kid's example. I am, right? And parents, you are your kid's example. Because why do I say that? Because I love, and my kids, I want to protect them in every way. What do you do, parents, when your potter is the one that hurts your kids, the one that's talking about your kids? How do you go through this and learn to live a wonderful life despite the Mr. Potters that you and I may experience. Today our text is going to be found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19 through 14. And it's not a real popular text, but this is one of those texts that Paul is talking to his young uh, apprentice that he is just uh, uh, pouring into. This is the last chapter of the last book that Paul ever writes. And he's talking about his own Mr. Potter because we, one thing I know that is true for you and me, all of us are going to have to deal with Mr. Potters. And this is a Mr. Potter moment for Paul. And here's what it says. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. Here's what, we, here's what I know is happening, the current situation of what's going on with Paul. First thing is this, Paul feels alone. Paul feels deserted. Paul knows that the end is near. And he says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. There's only one person that has stuck with him, and it's Luke. Paul is cold. You ever been at a place where you're stuck and you just feel cold and you can't get warm and you can't get warm? Some of you are like, yes, every Sunday morning when I'm here, I'm cold and I can't get warm, especially during the summer. But you're just, you're at a place where you're miserable and you're cold. He's in prison unjustly. Not, this isn't fair, but this is the place he finds himself at. And he's been hurt. He's been hurt by his own Mr. Potter, a guy named Alexander the coppersmith in Demas who deserted him. And, and here's why this is such a big, important moment for us to understand in, in Paul's life and in this stage, is that Paul is doing exactly what God asked him to do, and yet he still got hurt. 
And what you need to understand is your Mr. Potter and the hurt that comes from the potters of your life and the Alexander Coppersmiths and the Demas in your life have very little with you doing something wrong. You can be doing exactly what God has called you to do and still be hurt because sometimes people just stink. There's another word for it, but we're going to say stink today. You're welcome. People just stink. Sometimes people are just mean. Sometimes people, you, you didn't deserve it, and yet they treat you wrong because you, they just don't like you. And today I want to talk to you about learning to forgive that person. What? You're kidding, right? How do, how do you forgive that person? Because here's what I know and here's what I understand that is true for every single one of us in this place. There's no way you will live a wonderful life while you have unforgiveness in your life. No way, no way you can live a wonderful life while you have unforgiveness in your life. And I want to talk to you about how do you forgive the potters that you are dealing with. The first thing is this. You have to understand unforgiveness not dealt with turns into something. Unforgiveness not dealt with turns into something. Our 20th president of the United States was a man named James A. Garfield, um, President Garfield. So um, some of us, we just know him by his last name because of the comic strip, right? Um, he was America's 20th president, but he didn't even hold office a full year before he was assassinated in 1881. But it really wasn't the assassin's bullet that killed him. It was the doctors who didn't wash their hands or instruments before they tried to remove the bullet from his back. Garfield's womb became infected, and he hung around 11 excruciating weeks before dying. The thing that really killed him wasn't the initial wound or injury. It was what that wound and injury turned into. It got infected. And here's what I know, and here's what I can tell you today. If you don't deal with the hurt, it will turn into something. If you don't deal with the fallout and what Potter, your Potter said to you and the pain and the embarrassment and him trying to destroy you and destroy what you hold most dear, it will turn into something because many of us, we are dealing with something that it's not about the initial injury. Oh, we'll say it's about the initial injury, but because we didn't address it immediately, it has turned us into a bitter, jaded person. And what takes you out of your relationships, what hurts the rest of your life, isn't even what the Mr. Potter did. It's what you didn't choose to address. And unforgiveness always turns in to something. And what I've learned is that we give forgiveness, but we hoard bitterness. Right? We give forgiveness, but we hoard unforgiveness. We give forgiveness, but we hoard anger. And here's why I think we do it. Because most of us in this place, whether we want to admit it or not, we're justice people. Right? We, we want to make sure people get justice. Right? That, that, that things are done correctly and right. And, and, and when it's not, it makes you mad. It makes you angry. When, when something happens to you that you didn't deserve, 
that you didn't ask for. It makes you angry, and you get consumed with trying to see if Mr. Potter is going to get his. If you're Potter, if you're Alexander the coppersmith, if you're Demas is going to get theirs because you become this justice person. Hear me today. Today it is not about what they have done to you. Today it is about your ability to function through it. And not allowing what was said, what was done, the harm that they intended to take you out and to destroy you. It is not about that, but it is about dealing with the injury that occurred. And you're not going to get there if you get hung up on justice. You're not going to get there if you're just like, you know what, I hope they get theirs. Here's what Paul said. He said, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much harm, but God will be the judge of him. And he gives a warning. He doesn't blast him. He doesn't get on social media. He doesn't send a letter out to all the New Testament churches and talk about all that he has done. He simply gives his apprentice a warning and a fact. He wasn't about justice. He was about trying to move on. Anytime I go to Taco Bueno, I will order, this is my order, Three tacos and two bean burritos, no chili sauce. And I, I know some of you are like chili sauce. It's okay. I just prefer my bean burrito without chili sauce. And so that is my order. And you're like, oh, you shared. No, that is my order. Um, that is for me. I, 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 hear me. I don't want Taco Bueno cards. Hawaii, okay? Um, Hawaii, not Taco Bueno. Um, anyways, uh, and, and so I get so many Taco Bueno cards. Um, but what happens is this, I will go and I will pick up my order and I will drive through. And can I tell you what this bag represents? This bag is the most deceptive, cheapful bag you will see in drive through history ever. Because I will order three tacos and two burritos. It's not a hard order. And I will get home and I will have two tacos and one bean burrito. And I'm like, what happened? Like, this is not, this is... I, I just asked for five things. That's it. You could have even put chili sauce on my bean burrito. I don't care. But I get home and what I was expecting and what I paid for and what I deserved, I didn't get because some sorry little sucker forgot to put it in the bag, right? And I'm like, no. And then they don't even put salsa in it. Did you just see what just happened right there, right? <laughs> Skills. Count like reflexes. What I deserved and what I paid for, I didn't get. I got cheated. And here's what, hap here's what happens. This is your pastor. God's still working on me to make me. Next time I go to Taco Bueno, this is what happens. I drive through. Hey, last time I was here, I ordered three tacos, two, two bean burritos. Guess how many tacos I got? Silence. I'll tell you how many tacos I got. I got two. Guess how many bean burritos I got? Silence. I'll tell you how many bean burritos I got. I got one, and it had chili sauce on it, and I didn't get any salsa, right? And I'm totally letting somebody else have it. It's at a different Taco Bueno. <laughs> but it still says Taco Bueno, right? It doesn't matter. It's a total different crew. It's a total different day. It's total different ownership. 
And what is happening is I am taking my experience and my being cheated out on somebody who didn't even cheat me in the first place. And here's the big thing about unforgiveness. And here's the big thing about when you get wounded. If you don't address the wound and the injury and the hurt and the pain and the embarrassment and you feeling cheated, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you in the first place. You will. And you will be just like me at Taco Bueno. And I roll up, and then I don't want to eat the tacos or bean burritos because I'm like, they spit in my food. I know it because I would have spit in my food. And how do you, how do I come to a place where we don't let it turn into something? Because it's, it's, here it is, it's easy to say. It's easy to preach. But this is really hard to do. How do you not let the unforgiveness turn into something that is bitterness and anger? There's a challenge that Paul gives us. It is found in Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bible. And it is verse 1 and 2. And this is a really, Ephesians 5 is probably my, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. And it is one of the hardest scriptures. And it is a charge for every single follower of Christ. That if you're a follower of Christ, this is the charge. This is kind of, this covers it all. And here's what Paul says. Ephesians 5, verse 1 through 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. I looked up everything in the Greek, and here's the stinky thing about it. It still means everything. Um, I was trying to find a loophole around that bad boy. I was like, but taco bueno order in? They're like, no, no, no. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. And I didn't understand that phrase until I had kids of my own. When you have kids of your own, you are going to encounter other parents' kids and other parents' kind of theology and belief in parenting. And it is stupid and dumb. And you're like, what are you thinking? And you go over to your kids. And I have had this conversation a ton with my girls. I'm like, girls eyes right here. Like the intensity comes, like when I see stupid, I'm like, ah, I'm like, you are not going to act like them because you are graves. You are my kids, right? And you've had these conversations with your kids. You're like, I don't care how your cousins act. Let's be real. The holidays are here. I don't care how your cousins act. You, you don't act like that. That's, that's so true. It's making people uncomfortable right now. Why? Because they're your kids and you expect more and you're his kids. And so here's what God says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Why? Why don't you act like the world? Why don't you act like everybody else when it comes to their potter? Because you're his. You don't belong to this world. You're his kid. And, and then there's this charge and there's this instruction of how this happens. And it's found in the chapter before this, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and then verses 31 and 32. And this is how it happens. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Stop. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Ooh, that's tough. 
That's what it looks like to imitate God in everything you do. That means right there, how are you talking about your potter? Uh, but Justin, you don't, I don't know. <laughs> Let everything, there's that word again, right? Still means everything in the Greek there too. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How does that become a reality? Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And if he didn't cover it, he goes on to say, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, instead of talking like that and functioning like that, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Here's what Paul is saying and what I would encourage you with, and it's our second point, is don't wait to feel right to do right. Don't wait to feel right to do right. Some of you, if verse 32 isn't in happening in your life, you're not being kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you, the problem is you haven't moved past verse 31. You can't get to verse 32 type of life until you get past verse 31 type of life. And getting rid of anger and getting rid of harsh words and getting rid of bitterness and rage and talking about people, slander, as well as all the other evil behaviors that we're not even talking about and we don't have time to address, that doesn't happen because you feel like it. You don't feel your way to forgiveness. You choose your way there. You don't just feel your way out of anger and out of bitterness and out of hurt, but you choose to get rid of it out of your life. There is a uh, challenge that happens to me every day when I'm driving home from work to my house. I live in Jinx, and I exit the creek to go home, and when I exit the creek turnpike, I am on Elm Street, and I'm going south towards 111th, and between the highway and 111th, it is backed up for like a mile, and I'm not exaggerating. It is like backed up a mile, and there's two lanes. There's the one lane to go straight through the light, and then there's a second lane, a right lane, that is for a right turn only. And if you are really a good driver and intelligent, you will stay in the right lane. And that line will be backed up, but you look for your space. Because here's my thought. If you're leaving space, that's an invitation. Space is an invitation for me to get in line, right? And so I will, because the worst thing that happens is I turn right, I go into Walmart, and then I'm getting back into line, right? Like, I'm like, okay, we got this. But what happens is some sucker leaves space, and I, whoom, I take my truck in like it's a Geo Metro, baby. Like, I just park it, right? And there's all kinds of hand gestures and honking that happen after that and I'm like yeah I did it I know thumbs up to you too right like woo, follow me to FC right I mean there's all these moments here and here's what I know I know I know that I should choose the right thing to do is to stay in that line lane the, the, the courteous thing for me to do is to wait my turn but I don't feel like waiting my turn I don't feel like waiting in line I want to do it my way because I get home a lot faster and there's space space is an invitation for me to come in right we know what's right to the right thing to do we, we know what we shouldn't do and you and I have to choose what is right instead of what we feel when it comes to dealing with our potters, 
when it comes to dealing with hurt, when it comes to dealing with anger and unforgiveness. Because the only way you imitate God and everything that you do is that you choose to get rid of all the things that you feel like doing. Because you will never, if you wait to feel your way to forgiveness, you will never arrive at that destination. You do not feel your way to forgiveness. You choose your way to forgiveness. And if you're going to live a wonderful life, hear me, hear me. Today has nothing to do about the person that hurt you. Today has everything to do with what are you going to do with the hurt. How do you keep what hurts you from hurting you? How do, how do you keep from what injured you and hurt you from continuing to hurt you? If I was going to be a redneck pastor, here's how I would say this. Forgiveness is a must do, not a want to do, right? And you know what I want to do. I don't want to do it, mama, right? You don't want to do it. Forgiveness is a must do, not a want to do. And if you're still counting all the wrongs that have been done, what I can tell you is you haven't moved on to what is right. If you're still counting all the wrongs, you haven't moved on to what is right. And what is right? It's our third point. You have to understand, you can't imitate God in everything until you forgive others for everything. If Ephesians 5 verse 1, be imitators of God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. If, verse, if chapter 5, verse 1 is going to be the reality, this is the goal. For followers of Christ, this is it. This is what you and I are called to do. If we're going to imitate God in everything that we've done, then you and I have to forgive others. And there's that word again, for everything. But Justin, there's no way. But, Ju but Justin, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't. Justin, you don't, you... You don't know the, the years of hurt. If you, knew my, if you knew my situation, Justin, there's no way you would be saying that today because I don't see how you could ask me to reward the person who hurt me with forgiveness. And I love what Andy Stanley says. He says this, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. That's really good. And here's what I can tell you. Today, it's not about what your pastor is asking you to do. Today, it's about what Christ instructs us to do. Today, it's about what the Bible tells us to do. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 25, 27 excuse me, through 35, it says this. This is what I say to all who will listen to me. Love your enemies and be good to everyone who hates you. Ask God to bless anyone who curses you and pray for everyone who is cruel to you. Are you still with me here? Because I turned off a long time ago, right? Like, wow. If someone slaps you on one cheek, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm going to stop them. Um, but don't. What you do? Don't stop that person from slapping you on the other cheek. Someone wants to take your coat, don't try to keep back your shirt. 
Give to everyone who asks and don't ask people to return what they have taken from you. Verse 31, this sounds familiar. Treat others just as you would want to be treated. If you only love someone who loves you, will God praise you for that? Even sinners love people who love them. If you are kind only to someone who is kind to you, will God be pleased with you for that? Even sinners are kind to people who are kind to them. If you lend money only to someone you think will pay you back, will God be pleased with you for that? Even sinners lend to sinners because they think they will get it all back. But love your enemies and be good to them. And I'm going to tell you right now, all transparency, because that's the only way I know to be, I still struggle with that. And chances are you struggle with it too. If we were to pour truth serum in each one of us, chances are you struggle with that too. And it would be one thing if it was just one part of the Bible that it says this, but here's what Paul says in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, now, persecuting you in Paul's terms, are, you have to understand, he's been whipped He's been stoned, right? People are trying to take him out. He's not talking about people getting on social media and talking bad about him, right? He's not talking about uh, another parent group of parents that were mean to your kids. Paul would probably be by, get over it, you bunch of sissies, right? I mean, that's really the reality of what Paul's like. Are you kidding me? This is what I have to deal with? Welcome to the current reality, Paul. This is who we are right now. Paul would be like, what? We're talking about huge, huge deals. And this is not to minimize the hurt and the pain that you've been done. But when you want to say, but Justin, I'm the exception, Paul would just say this, man, bless those who persecute you, who tried to destroy you, who tried to take you out. Don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. Colossians 3.13, be even tempered, content with second place. I still struggle with that because second place is first place loser still. Um, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Quickly and completely so that what hurts you and injured you doesn't turn into something else. Here's what biblically based, what Jesus-centered forgiveness looks like. It means this, you bless them. That means you speak well of them. Instead of trashing your ex, you're trying to find good things to say about your ex. Justin, I'm going to have to try a long time. Keep trying. You bless them. That's what, this, is what, this is what imitating God and everything that we do looks like. Is you bless them. Well, I don't feel like it. It's not about what you feel like. Imitate God in everything you do. Why? Because you belong to him. You're his. Your kids don't feel like obeying you when the cousins are losing their minds. And you're like, it doesn't matter what you feel like. I will wear your rear out, right? You're, you are mine. Bless them. Talk good about them. Second thing is this, pray for them. This means pray a prayer of benediction. That means a pray a prayer of some of you are praying. Oh, you're praying for that potter. Oh, I will pray for them. God, take them out. Kill them. Take them home early. Like, don't let any harm come to my kids. Let harm come to them. You, you will pray for them. Let them show them how stupid and wrong they were. You're praying, but you're not praying the way he's talking about. It means pray a prayer of benediction. That is a prayer of blessing or grace. 
And it says this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Make the golden rule applicable even to your potter, even to the person that hurt you, even to the person that tried to take you out. And this isn't easy to do. I get it. This isn't something you're ever going to want to do. But the reality is this, is that some of you have been carrying around the weight of unforgiveness for way too long. And you need rest. And you need reprieve from the weight that you have been carrying around. And Bailey Bonjour, who played right here this morning, had the courage to share a story of unforgiveness that, that she led to a place where she could forgive a person that hurt her so that she could live a wonderful life. Check out this video. I, I grew up in a very small rural Texas town. I actually grew up on a ranch and my family is amazing. They're just solid, loving Christian family. But what they didn't prepare me for was how to handle sexual abuse whenever I was in school. And so starting from whenever I was 12 years old, I was abused almost daily for two years in between the ages of 12 and 14. I never learned the language to explain what was happening to me at school. You know, nobody ever told me how to say no when someone tries to touch you without your permission or what to do whenever you fight back, but it doesn't make any difference. As a result of that abuse, I actually developed post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which I still live with today. So I grew up in church my entire life, and I've heard all of the sermons, and I've definitely heard that we're supposed to forgive those who harm us. But, you know, dealing with so much trauma at such a young age, I don't think that I ever really fully understood what it meant to forgive. I think that forgiveness was especially hard because with the PTSD, it didn't feel like something that happened 10 years ago. You know, it felt like something that happened yesterday or a week ago. And not only that, but this man was still hurting me and hurting my marriage. Last fall, Justin preached a sermon on forgiveness. And for some reason that clicked and it really resonated me with this time. And I think it was because I was having conversations about forgiveness and about the sermon in my small group, in my connect group. I realized, you know, I probably have some room to grow whenever it comes to forgiveness. And so I set a reminder on my phone to remind me every morning to pray for the man that abused me. And at first, it wasn't great prayers. You know, I prayed that God would show him what he had done wrong and that, you know, in time he would come to know God. I thought that was about as much as I could get. But over time, God showed me, no, this man is worthy of my forgiveness just as you are. And so I started to pray with intention and I prayed for his relationships with his family and any romantic relationships and that they would be healthy and that they would be blessed by God. Um, I prayed for his finances. I prayed for him in every area I could think of. And then one morning I was going through this routine of praying for this man whenever I realized that I was still really irritated at my husband for something very minor he had done the night before. And it just occurred to me, here I am praying for this man who abused me every day for two years. 
while I'm holding on to unforgiveness against my husband, who's one of the most loving men that I know. And it was just absurd. And so I kind of dropped everything that I was doing and I said out loud, God, I forgive Ian. And in that moment, it was like a physical weight dropped off my shoulders. And I felt so much more light and I felt so much joy. And I think that it was in that moment that God really impressed upon me the gift that He gives us whenever we forgive other people. I, I can't, I can't even imagine what Bailey went through. Two years. Every day almost for two years. As a dad, I can't imagine my kids going through that. But here's my prayer as your pastor. My prayer is this, is that we would be a Bailey. Is that you take the weight off of unforgiveness because it is exhausting you. And it's affecting every, just like it was affecting her marriage still. It's still, you let it turn into something. And, and for some of you, man, I would have too. And I understand this message today, it's hard. But it is all about your benefit today. Some of you, it's about taking the weight off finally. Because you're tired and you're exhausted and you're worn out. And man come to a place. Bailey had to set a reminder on her phone. When I heard that, I was like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? Like there's a person actually living out the Bible. What? Like what is? You got to be intentional about it. You can't wait to feel right to do what is right. But it said, let's be imitators of God. And everything that we do, because here's what I can promise you, is that if you will do that, it will be to your benefit. It will be to the benefit of others that are connected to you in your relationships. And that's the moment, that's the place in this area of your life that it becomes a wonderful life indeed. That's it. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we love you. And God, I pray for people that are struggling with the unforgiveness. In fact, I want to do this today. If you're here and you're dealing with unforgiveness towards somebody, you're struggling with this, would you just look at me right where you are? You know, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands. You just look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just say, Justin, that's me. There's a ton of people looking at me right now. You're not alone. Is there anyone else? Before we go any further, yeah. Lord, you see, you see us. You, you see the whole story. The way this whole thing has planned out and, and played out. And Lord, in, in our, 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 our just our natural self, we want to just say it's not fair. It's not right. What they did, what happened, what occurred shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have occurred. And here's the reality. The injury has really turned into something even bigger. And there is just a leftover effect that it is having in our lives, in our relationships, in our joy, in our peace, in our love.
And some of us, we are worn out because we don't, we don't know how. God, I pray today that our hands would turn from grabbing to releasing. That we would come open-handed to you and we would give it to you today. We would release it to you. And that your healing would come to every single one that we're struggling. Man, your love and your joy and peace that seems to evade us and trust that has been so hard to trust others in relationships that they're not going to hurt us. That God, that trust and that peace and that joy would come and be a reality of our life. And the Lord, in everything we do, we would imitate you. So help us to be purposeful in imitating you in this area of our life. It is in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, if you're here, and you say, Justin, I'm here, and maybe this is your first time in church for a while. You didn't know what to expect, and you say, I'm here, and reality is I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. We want to give you a chance to change that. Maybe you're here, and maybe you asked him a long time ago, but where you're at isn't where you should be. And today you're here and you need to recommit your life to him. You may be at home watching and this is you. This is your moment. This is your moment right here. I'm going to count to three and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You just raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. Man, we're not going to do anything. You just say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's... There's two individuals. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You say, Justin, that's me. And you join these hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You say, Justin, that's me. If you raise your hand, if you'd please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. God, I confess I've messed up. I've sinned. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living and I turn to you and I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.